it's good hearing uh, about the men that inspire us, uh, who we know. And, and uh... so this morning, kind of on that theme, uh, we're, we're sharing this teaching that we came across 2005, 2006 with these American friends that came over from, uh, and we were so inspired by the way that they did life and did church. And uh, one of the things that really struck us was the energy with which the men kind of led and um, uh, and took initiative and were on the ball. And uh, so I want to kind of give a bit of an overview here of men and women dynamics, I think, through the Bible and, uh, and leadership within that as well. And, you know, as of all of these things, you know, our passionate hope is not about having sort of perfect theology um, or sort of textbook, academic, you know, getting the right ideas. It's really about being people who know God and who change the world through the way we follow Jesus and love each other. And um, so that's the goal is that in our relationships uh, as men with women uh, and with other men is that is that we basically live a godly life that's powerful and transformative. That's the kind of aim. Uh, so I want to touch on a few bits of scripture that uh, you know have been argued about over the years. And and really just share my view on it. This is my view, and and um, it, it's kind of reflective of hope. I don't claim to speak on behalf of hope. We're all individual followers of Jesus who, who um, you know, who discern and uh, what what we think the Bible means for us, and so on. Uh, not in a wishy washy way. There are um, absolutes in Scripture. I think that are pretty clear. And society nowadays would often try and say that there aren't. But but really there are when you look at the Bible as one whole book. It, it's, it, there is a there are some questions, but there is but and, and some confusing bits. But more than that, there is a very cohesive uh, consistency across the whole view of, of the of the Bible. So long as we understand it in the context of with which it was written and you know appropriately sensitive. So I just want to kind of give a bit of an overview and um, uh, of men and women and. Uh, and and for us as men, I, I'm particularly conscious that there are kind of two sides of a horse that we can fall off on as men, and I think these are both helpful for us to be aware of and sort of mind and and, and trying to avoid. One of them is is the kind of I think of it as the kind of Homer Simpson image, the passive man who just sort of sits on the couch drinking beer, watching sports, and doesn't sort of take initiative within the home. He lets life sort of happen around him. Uh, expects others to do things on his behalf, bring him a plate of food, keep him comfortable, keep him happy. He doesn't really like to be disturbed or to be moved into a place of discomfort. That's obviously a stereotype and it's a, it's a cartoon a little bit, but there's, I certainly recognise elements of that in me and, and, and have, have done more severely in the past and have been consciously walking out of that. Um, and then the other extreme would be the kind of domineering man um, who sort of says, uh, I'm in charge, it's the sort of strong alpha, not necessarily, well, it doesn't have to be an alpha male, but very much sort of dogmatic, this is what, this, I'm the decision maker around here, I'm the head of the household, I'm the head of our marriage, I'm going to say this is what we do, boom, boom, boom. And, uh, and and I expect you to listen to me, I'll make the final call on stuff, and, and, a, and a kind of, you know, slight aggression to things in that in that perspective. Um, I'm a leader and sort of going to those, you know, quoting about what it means to lead and be ahead and all this sort of stuff. And of course, the, um, you know, the way of Jesus, when we look at him, is, is, uh, is, is kind of neither of those extremes. It's a, he's, he's, a, um, he's a, a servant leader, isn't he, that lays down his life for the church. He washes, does the unthinkable thing by washing feet 
and 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 Serbia he does the unthinkable thing by approaching women that he's not supposed to speak to because they and, and not just women but men as well and you know he, and he he's so secure in his identity he doesn't need to throw his weight around um and neither is he passive he he takes on challenges he takes initiative so i wonder you know it'd be good to reflect in a minute on where you know each of us which side of the horse each one of us might fall off on into the passivity or into the kind of whatever you want to call it fierceness aggression sort of throwing your weight around kind of kind of uh space maybe it's a bit of both at different times different settings um so uh yeah really interesting in question you know when we see read the bible it's so important to recognize the, the cultural setting within which it was which happened a question that i ask is is um would if jesus was um alive now and doing his stuff now as he did then rather than 2000 years ago would he have had women amongst his disciples as well as men so did he just choose to have 12 men because to have had women amongst them as well would have been a cultural challenge too far you know it would have been a, such such a shock within the context of that more patriarchal society that um he wouldn't have got a chance to explain his message you know um he didn't take on and neither did Paul. Other challenges in society like slavery, for example, and they didn't really address that head on. Not that there was much of it in Israel, but there was in the Roman world. Anyway, um, so that's an interesting question. Or, or was there something inherently um, male about leadership? And, um, and, uh, and, you know, would it always be that he would choose men, you know, regardless of the cultural setting? Um, we certainly see, in response to that, we certainly see how he, he, um, he gave a lot more space to women than... Um, than others did at the time than was normal. So the two, he didn't have any women within the 12, but within uh, the wider group, he certainly did. We know the Marys and so were big supporters of him and actually probably provided for him financially in a lot of ways. And obviously Mary, they were the first to see him when he rose from the dead. Um, you know, really, really important. Um, and Because uh, and, and, then when we look at the New Testament as well, some of the writings of Paul, particularly, there's bits there that are quite uncomfortable in terms of... Um, Wives submit to your husbands, um, and uh, some of that stuff. We read we read that now into in the light of today, and uh, it, it might jar with some of us. Some some people might love it and, and or, or sit sit peacefully for others, and and I think certainly with our cultural norm of the sort of you know liberal Western democracy, uh, the, the kind of culture that the BBC sets as being normative and right you know, um, would find those passages in, in places like Corinthians and Timothy, um, Ephesians, would find those passages quite offensive um, and wouldn't be, wouldn't be comfortable with them. But, you know, um, uh, for us as followers of Jesus, uh, we don't set our, our, um, our sort of compass by what the world around us says is good and right, do we? Uh, we recognise sometimes that the, the world, you know, does discern stuff that's right and so on. But... Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, we recognise that, that that it's Jesus that we follow and his teaching and so on. And so that the world, for example, promotes quite a different view on sexuality and sexual identity. The world says, we did a series on this, didn't we, a while ago. Um, the world says that what you feel um, in terms of sexual desire and so on defines who you are, design, defines your, your sexual identity. And, the, and, the, and you must fulfil those desires in the way that you relate to people. And sorry, it's a bit simplistic, but um, the, the Christian worldview is very different. It says we don't just 
we don't just respond to what we feel. Um, uh, we, we, our primary identity is not even defined by our, our, our sexuality. It's defined by the fact that we're children of God and that we're followers of Jesus. That's, so that, that's, again, that's quite different to the, to the, to the commonly sort of propagated culture of the world nowadays. So, uh, so, and I think actually that's quite different to, I think whilst the world has moved on in terms of women being welcomed into leadership in churches and so on, for example, um, I think that's a different issue. And I think that's more of an alignment with the, the Bible um, than sexuality, which is more of a moral issue, uh, which has actually remained, remains the same. It's not changing just because the world's changing in terms of its view of sexuality doesn't mean it's right for Christians to. Um, we see the right way through the Old Testament women in really important roles. Um, uh, you can see women, the fivefold roles of pastor, priest, prof, pastor, apostle, teacher, evangelist. Uh, I missed one of those. Uh, pastor, prophet, evangelist, apostle, teacher. Um, we see those roles in men and women in the Old and New Testament, you know, right the way through. So, um, so... I have yeah I have some questions really on some of the New Testament passages and and, and I do find them a bit uncomfortable, uh, but I do have a real confidence. Alice and I have grappled with this for many years and we went through a phase of recognizing Alice's teaching gift. Is it right for her to teach? You know, in light of some of those passages, and we came to the conclusion that um, looking at them, we we think they're quite contextual in terms of what was happening in Ephesus, for example, um, and we see elsewhere women using their teaching gifts. You've got Priscilla and Aquila. You got a you got an apostle called 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 um, Junius in um, in uh, mentioned at the end of end of Romans as well and and, and you see the you see these roles right across the church Lydia the significance that she has in in the book of Acts and so on and um, and we became you know we're, I'm comfortable that actually it is God's design for men and women to 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 have all of these roles. Um, and then the question comes to household, you know, and that's another thing with what's it look like within the household. And, 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 and again, I, I think uh, we don't need to make absolute conclusions and judgments here on stuff. But I think what's most important for us as men, as we talk about this this morning, is um, uh, are we stepping up and taking a lead, particularly for this COVID time when people are when we're at home in households? Are we taking a lead? In terms of setting a culture and a, and a, and a, um, uh, creating an environment in in our spiritual lives for ourselves and for others, that's what we're called to. We're called to be these these servants that are neither passive nor aggressive. We but that middle road, like Jesus, we take initiative, we serve, we lay down our lives um, on behalf of of ourselves and, and others. And that's really my um, encouragement to us all: this this kind of intentional service. So love to hear from you all what your reflections are, what your experience is, um, what side of the horse you fall off on. There we go.